will stamp out prejudice. We will condemn hatred. We will bear witness and we will act. As President of the United States, I will always stand with the Jewish people. And I will always stand with our great friend and partner, the State of Israel. We're already preparing, we're doing plans, we're doing specifications, we're doing a lot of work on the wall, and the wall gets built. It's time to make America great again. Join the movement. The Neil A. Caruso Show Podcast. Time to dream big. Informative, insightful, and valiant leadership. Telling it the way it is to make a difference. All right, the 25th of April, a Tuesday podcast. Welcome to the Neil A. Caruso Show Podcast. As we have a lot of news to get to today, and we appreciate you tuning in each and every day here on the podcast. So, more judges getting involved in politics. A California judge is blocking President Trump's order on sanctuary city money. Now, you may recall that President Trump said if those jurisdictions that do not comply with federal law, and we know that U.S. Code Section 1182F makes it the president's duty to make sure that uh, those that are coming in the country come in legally. We know that the Constitution says federal laws are, are supreme, and we know that the president can withdraw federal funds, um, or the, I should say, the administration, the Justice Department, can withdraw federal funds to those jurisdictions that do not comply with federal law. And we know that it is illegal to cross the border. We know that uh, there are MS-13 gang members, murderers, rapists, drug dealers have been arrested under President Trump's policies and sent back to their home country, detained and deported. So with all of that, we have a California judge blocking President Trump's order on sanctuary city money. Meaning that, and this is U.S. District Judge William Ork, you'll be familiar with his name by the end of uh, the next couple of days, Of course, he is from San Francisco, where Kate Steinle was murdered by an illegal immigrant who had crossed the border from Mexico five times, was deported four times. And he murdered her in the sanctuary city of San Francisco. Well, this judge now is saying that a President Trump is saying that because President Trump wants to withhold federal funds, if he uh, does withdraw or, well, now the judge is saying he cannot withhold federal funds from these sanctuary cities. Uh, This comes on the heels of the Justice Department on Friday, saying that they will cut off funding to these eight sanctuary cities now. There were 300 jurisdictions already reduced because of the president's uh, staunch stance um, and policy, saying we are going to enforce our laws that are already on the books. And you have General John Kelly at the border and Jeff Sessions at the border last week saying we're going to do just that, and if there is a mayor like Mayor Bill de Blasio of New York City or San Francisco, the San Francisco mayor, uh, or the Chicago mayor, Rahm Emanuel, or the Los Angeles mayor, any of these mayors get involved, we will and prevent compliance with the federal authority, then we will withdraw funding. And I said right here that that's smart. It's a threat, but... If it needs to be done, it needs to be done. And so now this U.S. District Judge in San Francisco, uh, Judge William Orrick III, said that Trump's order targeted broad categories of federal funding for sanctuary governments and that plaintiffs challenging the order were likely to succeed in proving it unconstitutional. Uh, This is where you have judges who have become activists, Judges that are starting to create laws instead of just upholding the law that is on the books. And they're citing campaign rhetoric that should not be cited in any um, instance. Because if you cite campaign rhetoric, um, you can go back to the beginning of time where things are either exaggerated or, you know, said for effect. 
Now, in terms of sanctuary cities, they are very dangerous. We've had on State Department officials on here. We've had on uh, retired immigration agents who has dealt in terms of deporting, uh, detaining and deporting uh, criminal illegal aliens. We don't even know how many people are in this country illegally because the estimates have always been off. And we have criminals in our communities. They tend to join in one community, in the sanctuary community, where they know they won't be deported. Fellow immigrants in their community, whether legal or illegal, are afraid to report them, even though they would be granted amnesty for, whether it be temporary or whatever, they would be granted amnesty from deportation if they spoke up and said, this person is selling drugs in our community. That person would be protected. The person, the, the reporter of the information would be protected, and then the criminal, illegal alien, would be detained and deported. These sanctuary cities have been preventing the deportation, have really didn't, have not want to detain anyone, so they just let them walk free into our communities, where you had in Hempstead, New York, a two-year-old assaulted. You had in Houston, Texas, um, you had a murder. You've had all over the country. You had a uh, rape by two criminal legal aliens who were previously detained by federal immigration agents at the border from Guatemala and El Salvador and a rape at a school in Maryland. You've had situations of preventable crime and you have now an activist liberal judge preventing the removal of, of funding, which is a threat to mayors who do not comply with federal immigration law. And now you're going to have Mayor de Blasio applauding this and laughing because now he's going to be able to take the money and then allow our communities in New York and allow communities throughout the country from other mayors like Chicago where you have gang violence up the wazoo and these gang members, MS-13, are typically from Guatemala and El Salvador and Honduras. They run through Mexico, run up our border. They smuggle children into the country. They sell them into sex slavery. And now, with 700, over 700 shootings in Chicago and over 260 murders in Chicago just in the first four months, and we're not even done with the fourth month of 2017, you're going to have policies now that allows these gang members to continue to operate with that fear of deportation. This is uh, terrible. These judges are inserting them into, in, into politics, and this is unprecedented. We've never seen anything like this in our country before, and this is absolutely wrong. I mean, this cannot happen, and when you have— um, judges trying to play God now, instead of just upholding the law, they insert themselves into politics where they don't belong. And so you have a president who's trying to keep us safe. You have a president who is doing all he can possibly do to prevent another terrorist attack in our country. And you have judges and liberals against him. And even some Republicans establishment types who truly don't want him to succeed because then that means their jobs and draining the swamp would be useless. And hopefully we do get term limited for Congress because there there are congressmen and congresswomen who have taken advantage of the system for so long. And frankly, now the judges are getting just as bad. And I will criticize the judges. And Trump should too. And I, and I guarantee you, You'll have some sort of statement tomorrow from the president, if not tonight. Uh, so that's where we're at. So you have the executive order suspending immigration and refugees from six nations. It was it was seven in the original one. Iraq was pulled out. But these are nations that our intelligence officials, you know, they love Comey. And, they, and I'm saying the liberals, they love Comey. They love Clapper. And they love um, uh, the former... Uh, CIA director John Brennan, they love all of them because, uh, you know, they've they've allowed, uh, they've testified saying that um, 
that they're looking into the Russia situation, which has turned up absolutely nothing still, even though they continue to hammer on that. I'm curious as to where we know about Obama administration surveillance, because that sets a dangerous precedent that any American can be surveilled and unmasked. But, you know, they love the intelligence officials as long as they say Hillary's not going to be indicted and we're investigating Russia. But our intelligence uh, officials, like James Comey and DNI James Clapper and the former CIA director John Brennan, have all told us that ISIS is infiltrating the refugee and immigration populations, and that they will come up through the border and they will come in from these six to seven nations that President Trump has identified— Iran, Libya, Somalia, Sudan, Iraq, Syria, where the uh, Islamic State is based, and they will come in through their refugee crisis and through their immigration, and they've done it in Europe. But no, we're going to just keep the the borders open. This is why if uh, Le Pen wins in France, you're going to have the uh, – and Britain has already left the EU, you're going to have the EU gone – and you're moving towards better policies of closed borders, of protecting the country, of protecting individual countries from this radical Islamic threat. And you cannot have a policy where certain jurisdictions, certain states, cities in a country do not abide by federal law. Frankly, those mayors should be prosecuted, as Jeff Sessions said. It's just absolutely disgusting that you have that you have a continuation of the political nonsense. Okay, that I don't. I mean, clearly is for votes because there's no other reason why you would leave American citizens and any person, even uh, even illegal immigrants, vulnerable to the criminal illegal aliens that thrive under these sanctuary city policies. There is no reason other than votes that these politicians are doing it. They're corrupt, and they are wrong. And this needs to end, and it needs to end now. Unbelievable. Meanwhile, our former president, you know when he railed against Wall Street and railed against um, you know, these so-called fat cats, he liked to call them? Well, less than 100 days out of office, and you know he spoke yesterday, which it sounded like, uh, that's what... The whole speech sounded like, so I didn't even play a clip of it, uh, except in the intro yesterday. Uh, Obama, less than, less than 100 days out of office, has agreed to speak at a Wall Street conference run by Cantor Fitzgerald LP, which is a senior um, uh, senior people at, uh, at that firm have confirmed uh, that the former president will speak there. The speaking fee, $400,000, which is nearly twice as much as Hillary Clinton and the 2016 Democratic Party candidate charged private businesses for such events. Now, Hillary has made a lot on foreign uh, officials uh, through the Clinton Foundation. But anyway, put that aside, Obama has agreed to speak at this conference for $400,000 and will be a keynote luncheon speaker for one day at the event. Uh In case you haven't heard, Cantor Fitzgerald LP is a uh, mid-sized investment bank, which he railed against during his candidacy and went out of his way to to insert many regulations that have stifled not just banks, but also small businesses um, and uh, stifled a lot of growth in the country, despite um, his uh, big infrastructure proposal and, you know, shovel-ready jobs that really weren't shovel-ready. So hypocrisy of him uh, making money off of his presidency. And we find out also new details about Iran. And uh, what we we are finding out is that they, you know, the release of these prisoners in Iran um, did allow, uh, there were some shady negotiations going on there. So, uh, you know, you know that he sent billions of dollars. In fact, we've been talking about it uh, yesterday. We talked about it, and I've alluded to it. Uh, a lot, is uh, Obama sent uh, billions of dollars in a cargo plane in cash to the Iranians. Part of this nuclear deal that Iran got so much up front. Um, and what now we're finding out in a new report that, uh, that Iran actually uh, had 
made a some sort of covert deal with uh, the Obama administration to allow uh, prisoners to be released. So now we possibly have radical Islamic terrorists out on the loose because of the Obama policies. Just like when he said he was going to close Gitmo, um, you know, we have now the most dangerous people because of the closing of Guantanamo Bay, and we have the most dangerous people, Al-Qaeda and ISIS operatives, militants, on the battlefield fighting against us. So now we're finding out more about this Iran deal that you know Iran uses billions of dollars to fund terrorism, and now we are finding uh, out more about Iran's use of this money. And apparently, breaking news as we're talking on the podcast at about 7.40 p.m. Eastern, um, a U.S. Navy destroyer has had an encounter with a Iran warship. Uh, and also today, uh, Turkish jets have uh, bombed U.S.-backed forces in Iraq and Syria, according to U.S. officials, while North Korea continues to threaten us. So we are in all of these battles that, uh, that is continuing uh, to take place. Uh, and, you know, you remember the hostages of our Americans that had to be, that were on their knees and, and Iran just totally embarrassed us? Well, you know, th this is where, this is where when you have a nuclear deal with them that actually, that actually ties our hands from seeing what weapons that they have, this is now you have a situation that our, um, our hands are tied and you have an administration that wants to enforce laws and wants to keep peace and Iran's messing with us. You know, Russia uh, is complicit in the Syria attack and they're backing Bashar al-Assad. You have, just in this region, North Korea, um, which uh, in Asia um, is needs to be kept held at bay by China. Okay? Back to, you know, the Middle East... You have uh, President Trump speaking today about backing Israel, which is the only democracy in the Middle East. And you know Palestinians are, um, you know, get money for, um, for killing, murdering Israelis. That's a challenge that the United States has to, um, has to uh, have a gripe with. And you have now this situation today where Turkey is bombing us. Well, we're supposed to be helping them uh, in terms of getting ISIS out of the region and destroying them and eradicating them off the face of the earth. And now, just now tonight, and we don't know the details on it yet, but a close call uh, where uh, a U.S. Navy destroyer has had an encounter with an Iran warship. And we've sent billions to Iran thanks to the past uh, Obama administration and sending billions to them, and we're finding out reports that um, Iran uh, gains, was able to release uh, prisoners, that we released uh, Iranian prisoners because of this deal. There's going to be a lot that we're going to find out about that we don't know, okay? Uh, we don't even know these things yet. And unfortunately, we're going to find out things that were happening in that deal because that deal was rammed through. It was not properly vetted. And uh, if you go on to Politico, you'll see the, um, the story, Obama's uh, Hidden Iran Giveaway. It's a very fascinating story, a very fascinating report uh, written by, uh, who wrote it? Uh, Josh Meyer wrote the story. So if you want to check it out, um, you know, we know that he, it was a quote, one-time gesture that he said of releasing Iranian-born prisoners who were not charged with terrorism or violent offenses last year, but uh, what this report says is that um, Iran, um, in a choreographed rollout of this prisoner, uh, prisoner swap and a simultaneous implementation of this six-party nuclear deal, um, revealed that uh, these seven men were freed as, quote, civilians, um, for, and some of them may have had uh, terrorist-related offenses sanctions-related offenses, violations of the trade embargo, and that we knew it, and that U.S. officials dropped off $10 million um, that 
a jury said the aerospace engineer illegally received from Tehran, that the U.S. Justice Department under Obama allegedly were part of an illegal procurement network supplying Iran with U.S.-made microelectronics with applications to surface and air cruise missiles, like the kind that Tehran test-fired recently, prompting the Trump administration to quickly act, and you've seen escalating threats now going back and forth. So all of these things that are coming out makes a lot of sense and why Trump has all of these challenges. And it makes a lot of sense when you learn about the Obama administration and why, I mean, I don't get why you would send billions of dollars to the largest state sponsor of terror. And now we find out that they may have known the terrorists were being released and we were allowing that to happen. Our own government. This is why Trump was elected, one of the reasons, okay? Because of this kind of cronyism that somehow there was some sort of underhand deal. I don't know how as a patriot a president can let something like this happen and to be complicit in it according to this report. So checking out on Politico, uh, unbelievable. Okay, that we can have a president, okay, that could single-handedly release prisoners from Guantanamo Bay to release prisoners from Iran who are terrorists. It just doesn't make sense. It really doesn't make you scratch your head. And really, you know, frankly, this, th those are the kinds of things that are keeping me up at night during the Obama administration. And now... These things are just coming out now and you have a Trump administration who's trying to do everything they can so that we don't get bombed from North Korea who is reportedly holding live fire drills as the, new, uh, as the U.S. nuclear-powered sub submarine approaches. Today, they reportedly conducted North Korea a huge live fire drill that involved up to 400 artillery, um, artillery pieces which may have been supervised by Kim Jong-un. Uh, this, as the U.S. added a nuclear power submarine to its fleet of vessels powering toward the region. Pyongyang apparently deployed a long-range artillery units in the coastal region of Wonsan in uh, North Korea. An unarmed um, and unnamed government source uh, told uh, South Korea's news agency this. Okay, So South Korea's military did not confirm the report, but the news outlet... Um, said that it was firmly maintaining readiness. And the speculation is that North Korea may carry out another nuclear or missile attack. And Washington, D.C., meanwhile, is planning a full-scale terror attack drill amid these North Korea tensions. Local governments in D.C. are planning this drill for tomorrow, an exercise that comes amid these mounting tensions with North Korea and other nations like Iran. Uh, the Metropolitan Washington Council of Governments confirmed this in a press release that law enforcement and first responders will participate in the exercise designed to prepare the possibility of complex coordinated terror attack in the national capital region. That's what the press release says. The drill prepares for an attack involving multiple locations and teams of perpetrators and will be staged at six sites across D.C., Virginia, and Maryland. And you have... Hawaii, who's preparing for uh, any attack on um, on our homeland that North Korea is threatening. Uh, meanwhile, as far as our border is concerned, and you know we've talked about the drugs that are coming in, the MS-13 gang members that have been arrested. Um, well, Mexico's foreign minister is calling Trump's wall a hostile act. You know, I don't know if you realize, but North, uh, not North Korea, Mexico allows the dangerous flow of illegal immigration. They treat illegal immigrants horribly, by the way. And the trek that they make from Latin America, from these countries like Guatemala and Honduras, okay, and they come up through Mexico and they literally run for their lives across the border. Now, some of them are looking for a better life. Some of them are smuggling in children and some of them are smuggling in drugs and selling the children into sex slavery. And the Mexico government allows this to happen. They allow the flow, the dangerous trek to happen without any accountability because they just want them coming into the U.S. And then once they're in here in the U.S. and they sell opioids like heroin 
and cocaine, all that is not made in the United States, that is coming from South America and Latin America, and that money goes back to Mexico. So the Mexico's foreign minister now is saying they will not contribute it to the wall in any way. It's a hostile act. Now, you know, Secretary of State Rex Tillerson uh, previously met with Mexico's Secretary of Foreign Affairs, and they reportedly did not discuss the wall. You know, President Trump had a meeting with the Mexican president, and they said that we do need to come to have an effort to stop the drug flow and the illegal immigration on both sides of the border. But of course, Mexico is all talk, no action. Today, the president said the wall will get built. And you heard that in the intro clip. President Trump was asked about the wall. There's no question that the wall is going to get built. Now, the questions that are coming up, because people are like, why are we talking about this again? We know that the president has already ordered the construction of the wall. He's receiving over uh, 100 bids from U.S. companies to to build it. Uh, We know that ICE officers and immigration uh, judges are being hired by our Justice Department. uh, And there will be surveillance at the border and increased security. So that we know that it's being put into fruition. But uh, why is this coming up? Well, because the government may shut down this week. And because Congress decides to only work eight days this month, that they're in a, you know, less minutes trying to get this budget done. And while President Trump put the wall in the budget, there the risk would be that the government was shut down because they wouldn't appropriate the money for the wall. So it seems like the president just withdrew, withdrew it from the budget, but that doesn't mean it won't get done. Um, you know, we've had in the past where George W. Bush proposed the wall post 9-11, and Congress approved it, and part of the wall was built. Part of a fence, really. And then, about 2004, I think it was, uh, no, excuse me, when Obama came in, I just want to make sure I get my facts right, when Obama came in, so in 2009, the wall... Because it started being built in 06, 09, Obama comes in, the wall stops, and Congress stops appropriating money as the Democrats take control of Congress. Okay? The Democrats are stopping security on the border. The Republicans have wanted it for years, especially in a post-9-11 world. Uh, but they are preventing that from happening. Now, Ted Cruz, interestingly, is calling for a $14 billion um El Chapo Fund. This is a, a bill that uh, the Texas senator is proposing, calling for the use of $14 billion seized from uh, cartel drug lord Joaquin El Chapo Guzman. You know him, the famous drug lord who we finally locked down another time um, to be used to pay for the wall. Why not? So the $14 billion that this drug lord was using to fund the drug cartel and this criminal enterprise, let's use that towards building the wall that will keep Americans safe and hinder the illegal flow of drugs and weapons and individuals across our southern border. So Senator Cruz has put this in the Senate, a bill um, that would leverage uh, criminally forfeited assets from El Chapo and other Mexican drug cartel, uh, cartel members to build the method that's going to stop it, or one of the methods. That will stop. So I think this is a great idea and a great bill. And just to give you a little background, Mexican government extradited um, El Chapo in January. Um, The move to an American prison cell followed months of court battles in Mexico and multiple escapes from from prison uh, by Guzman. So because uh, they made a deal with Mexico, the U.S. did that uh, El Chapo will not face the death penalty in the U.S. for his crimes. But why not use that money... I think there's a great bill that Cruz put forth. Use that money to build the wall. Smart, right? Um, want to get to uh, this Canada. Speaking of borders, I wouldn't mind a border on the north border, to be honest with you. Um, the Canadian leader, Prime Minister Justin Trudeau, warned today following last night's announcement. Uh, well, it came really through, uh, through reports by conservative media that met with President Trump yesterday that... Um, President Trump will uh, will impose tariffs on Canada on lumber. Uh, Justin Trudeau, the Prime Minister of Canada, um, said that the U.S. could suffer a 
uh, quote, thickening border uh, Trump, as the Trump administration imposes new tariffs on softwood lumber and trade tensions between the two countries escalate. Um, Trudeau commented this after uh, the U.S. or Trump said that he will um, impose a 24% tariff on softwood lumber entering the U.S. from Canada. Now, to give you a little background on all of this, um, the lumber, this is also nothing new, that um, what happens in um, uh, the... Um, Trump administration, Commerce Secretary Wilbur Ross spoke about this today, that basically this has been going on for like 30 years where uh, the lumber is set as a price by the province, that individual provinces set the uh, providence set the prices in Canada, as opposed to our government, which is hands-off and lets free trade market control prices. Instead, they set the prices and they rip us off. Um, to give you a couple of stats... Uh, the U.S. ran a trade deficit in 2016 of $5.28 billion with Canada on products from sawmills, which captured softwood lumber. So when President Trump was asked, well, do you think this will be a trade war? He said no, because they have a trade surplus with us. And so I feel pretty confident about that. Um, now, in terms of taxes, we talked about this yesterday. Well, President Donald Trump uh, is expected to unveil a proposal tomorrow to cut corporate taxes on U.S. companies' foreign profits and to slash the top tax rate um, on businesses uh, from 39.6% to 15%, uh, which is what he proposed in the campaign. The House wants a 20% uh, corporate tax rate, so there'll be a little negotiation there. Uh, Mr. Trump also plans to include a tax break for child care expenses, similar to the one that he proposed during the campaign with his daughter, Ivanka Trump, who was in Germany, by the way, with Angela Merkel. Um, the president uh, is set to un unveil these proposed tax changes tomorrow. Important issues uh, seem to be still sorted out. Um, so we'll see what, uh, what gets put out tomorrow in terms of this corporate tax rate and repatriating money. But I want to give you a heads up on that. Um, Treasury Secretary Stephen uh, Mnuchin uh, has gone back and forth on this. Apparently, um, he is said to prefer a top rate of 37%, but um, Mr. Trump um, has said that the top uh, top rate should be 33%. This is for uh, individual rates now. Uh, so we'll see something on, on taxes tomorrow, some sort of proposal, and you know, as we near 100 days on Saturday, this could be um, interesting. Uh, it could be an interesting legislative push as we reach the 100 days of the Trump presidency. Now, last thing before we get to the break, and then uh, more on some colleges and snowflakes uh, in preventing free speech. We've been talking a lot about veterans on this program, and uh, Sunday we did a, a story on Adopted Battalion of Long Island, and uh, you can see that story on elacursal.com. I've gotten uh, tremendous feedback from a lot of veterans who have actually contacted me uh, the last couple of days. I'm uh, blessed to hear from them. Uh, and, you know, thank you for, for serving our country. Um, a college um, in, uh, where is this? College stops a fundraiser uh, for veterans, okay, due to political correctness, really, or what they call cultural appropriation. Um, according to the Washington Post, Sigma Alpha Mu, whatever the hell, uh, I'm not a big fraternity sorority guy, but uh, this uh, frat planned a fundraiser for a veterans organization through a badminton uh, tournament. Um, and they called it uh, Bed, in parentheses, Midden, and Bougie, which is a spinoff of some song called Bad and Bougie by uh, an Atlanta group, uh, in case you know. And uh, this is at American University, by the way. And American University said that the fraternity is culturally appropriating. So they can't put on an event for veterans because they use the word bougie, which I've used the word. Bougie, of course, comes from bourgeoisie, which was uh, basically uh, used as, uh, as a term for the upper uh, middle class. And, you know, uh, what this college is saying is that that's a, uh, that is you're uh, using a cultural term and it's inappropriate. And so because of that, you can't raise money for veterans is what this college is saying. American University spokeswoman did respond 
to a request for comment telling the Washington Post that the sequence of events did not go according to our normal process for working with student organizations, but she never answered what was so objectionable to the event's name. Bad, midden, and bougie. What's wrong with that? Basically, it was going to be a badminton event that was going to raise money for veterans. And they said, well, you can't do it because you're, you're appropriating culture. And this is what goes on in concerts these days, is that if you say anything that can be taken offensively, that can be taken the wrong way, they cry. They can't take it. They have to go into a safe space. Just uh, honestly, what's going on... And the fact that free speech has really been curtailed and prevented on college campuses is a real sin and a place that should allow debate. And not only that, raising money for veterans should never, and our U.S. military members, should never be a political or any sort of thing other than this is a, this is a thing that Americans should do to give back to those who serve. Appropriating culture. Bunch of snowflakes. When we come back, more on that. And culture, conservative uh, commentator, is being prevented from speaking at UC Berkeley. This is nothing new at UC Berkeley. We'll get into what the battle is going on and will we see riots. That's up next on the Neil A. Crucial Show podcast. Get engaged. I mean, what are you thinking about, Jerry? Marriage? Family? Oh. They're prisons! <laughs> Man-made prisons! You're doing time! Not that type of engagement. Get engaged with the Neil Caruso Show podcast by subscribing on iTunes and following Neil Caruso on Twitter, Instagram, and his official Facebook page so you don't miss out on the important things in life. The Neil Caruso Show podcast. Green light. Hey girl, school zone. I'm getting hungry. Car changing lanes. You want to meet me for pizza? Stop sign. Intersection clear. Yeah, street. Pizza sounds good. Ballin' Street? Girlin' Street! <gasps> it's hard to concentrate on two things at once, like texting and driving. Stop the text, stop the wrecks. How will you stop texting and driving? Tell us at stoptextstoprex.org. Brought to you by the National Highway Traffic Safety Administration and the Ad Council. A ranger station. I'd like to report a bear hug. Okay. I put out my campfire and Smokey Bear hugged me. So you drowned the fire, you stirred it, drowned it again, and felt that it was cold? Uh-huh. Yeah, but he's just letting you know you did good. Bear hug from Smokey Bear. Status update. I'm going to let you go now. There are many ways to start a fire, but one sure way to put it out. Learn how you can do your part at SmokeyBear.com. Sponsored by the U.S. Forest Service Ad Council and your state forester. Opening up the dialogue. It's the Neely Caruso Show podcast. It's always near and dear to my heart, the First Amendment, uh, because Ann Coulter ran a little into a little problem this week. I know, we, we don't like Ann Coulter's views. You do? I, I like her as a person. Yeah, I, I never people. agreed with one thing she ever said. Uh, that's different. Okay, but uh, she was, I was uh, the speaker uh, at Berkeley a couple of years ago, and they disinvited me, and then they got their act together, and I wound up doing it, and apparently that's what's going to happen with her, I think. But Berkeley, you know, used to be the cradle of free speech, and now it's just the cradle for f***ing babies. <laughs> who don't. And I, I feel like, you know, this goes on all over the country on campuses. They invite someone to speak who's not exactly what liberals want to hear, and they want to shut her down. I feel like this is the liberals' version of book, book burning. Yeah. And it's got to stop. Howard Dean tweeted today about this. Hate speech is not protected by the First Amendment. Yes, it is. <laughs> Threats are not protected by the First Amendment. This is why the Supreme Court said the Nazis could march in Skokie. They're a hateful bunch. But that's what the First Amendment means. It doesn't mean just shut up and agree with me. I, I, I can't believe you have to remind liberals I can't believe it either. I can't believe a liberal Bill Maher on HBO, on his HBO show, is the one that is saying something like that. Okay? Now... I don't agree with Bill Maher on a lot of political issues. That doesn't mean that I want his voice to be shut up. And this is where people need to realize 
that the more people speak and the more that ideas get put out there on all political sides, the better it is for the country. That's why when, you know, uh, they uh, they had a CBS Sunday morning, and we talked about this on the podcast, where um, they, uh, who is it, Ted Koppel, uh, told Sean Hannity that he's bad for America because he's conservative, because he has a different point of view, and because he gives his opinion. Um, I think that what's bad for America is having, in this day and age where we have all this different media, to stifle free speech. And Howard Dean, who should know about free speech, uh, he should know better that all types of speech is protected under the First Amendment. You can't make a terrorist threat, but short of that, free speech is a core of the First Amendment. And see, I like, I actually like listening to uh, Bill Maher. Okay, because at least he's fair-minded enough to understand that anyone should be allowed to speak. Okay, and I have no problem. By the way, I have no problem with Rachel Maddow. I have no problem with anybody. Now, I don't agree with them. I also, there are certain things that Rachel Maddow says that are truly incendiary. However, I don't have a problem with them having a platform. And what they want to do with Ann Coulter is simply shut her up because she is a conservative, okay? That any time there's a conservative speaker, there are riots. Now, shame on the police there. Now, you know I support law enforcement, but the police there are in cahoots, clearly, with the politicians there. Um, law enforcement says that there will be a 99% chance that if uh, Ann Coulter shows up, as, ex as is expected, she's going to show up anyway, to speak, that the college will erupt in violence. The police department at Berkeley should say, we will not allow violence to happen, and we will stop it. And instead, we are finding out that the mayor, okay, uh, has some past, some questionable ties, okay, um, Berkeley, uh, or excuse me, Jesse Aragon, the 32-year-old uh, elected, newly elected mayor, is, has been accused of supporting left-wing violence because he is a member of the Facebook group By Any Means Necessary, which is an anarchist group that has incited violent protests across the country. The national organizer for By Any Means Necessary, the Facebook group, was unapologetic last June after the group shut down a neo-Nazi protest in Sacramento that sent 10 people to the hospital. Now, obviously, I don't think that that group should exist, this neo-Nazi group. But they also have First Amendment rights. Okay? And then, when you have um, the mayor being criticized for basically handcuffing police officers who patrolled the tax day riots on the 15th of April that resulted in 11 injuries, including a stabbing, with critics saying that the mayor restrained the police officers so much that they could not do their job and allowing people to get hurt, okay? This mayor should be prosecuted. 32-year-old anarchist. He's part of an anarchy group that promotes violent riots, and this UC Berkeley campus is bad news. And frankly, so are a lot of campuses across the country. But this UC Berkeley campus, which allows the campus to be set on fire because a conservative speaker shows up, they should all, and they throw rocks at police, they should all be arrested and thrown in jail. Okay? And the police, who uh, you saw when, um, who is it, uh, Milo? Was it Milo Yiannopoulos was the one that was speaking in Berkeley? When he went to speak there, okay, and they set the campus on fire, the police were totally hands-off, were nowhere to be found, okay? Frankly, they are muzzling free speech. They are promoting anarchy in, in Berkeley, California, okay? Berkeley, California, if they want to succeed from the United States, go ahead because you don't represent the United States because there's a whole world out there, but you live in your snowflake globe bubble that 
blinds you from seeing the world outside. And you claim that you are so accepting of others. You bring up the LGBTQ community. Well, when one of your own, Caitlyn Jenner, who's been making the rounds because she has a new book out. And I actually like Caitlyn Jenner. I have nothing against her. Okay? And she bravely, okay, is speaking out. And she's been a conservative for years. And she says, I'm still a conservative. In fact, I voted for Donald Trump. And all of a sudden, the liberals say, oh, never mind. We can't support her. She's no longer our champion because she's a conservative and voted for Trump. So liberals, these snowflakes, will only agree with you. Well, excuse me, will only believe in First Amendment rights, will only believe in free speech if they agree with you. But if you have a difference of opinion or you're a Republican or you voted for Trump, you are a horrible person that apparently, you know, all these phobias apparently Caitlyn Jenner has now because she's a conservative. I mean, you see what they do? They even turn on their own people. And Caitlyn Jenner has said that she has gotten so much flack because of her political beliefs. You know, someone like that could use a little support on what they've gone through. And, you know, we're starting to learn more about the science about um, transgenders and, you know, how they, um, you know, there is something uh, with the chromosomes. And, you know, I did some research on it and looking up some of the medical reports. And it seems like there is uh, there is a uh, very plausible reason for why people feel as if they are the opposite gender. We'll find out more, I'm sure, in the next 10 years or so. Okay, but regardless, she's a person, she deserves respect, and she deserves tolerance from the group that claims tolerance, but in reality, they are not tolerant. And in reality, they are the hateful ones. They are the ones that will attack you behind a computer screen. They are the ones that will set a campus on fire because someone who they do not agree with is going to show up. And they prevents, as we discussed about at the end of the last segment, they prevent fundraising for veterans because it's culturally, culturally appropriating, uh, appropriating black, I don't even know what they're even talking about. It's so insane. These schools are nuts. And these schools live in their own snowflake bubble. And people don't even understand and I'm talking about the people who work there and the students do not understand the world outside. And the teachers are just as bad and the administrators are worse because they never leave this campus and they're stuck with 18-year-old snowflakes their entire career and they've never amounted to anything in life. And this, this excludes the adjuncts and some good professors who are true educators, but there are a lot of people in there that do the wrong thing by their students. And they... They do not have an open mind. There are San Diego schools, United School Districts in San Diego, has launched a campaign against so-called Islamophobia, drawing both praise from the left and criticism from moderates on the right. A multi-year plan by the San Diego United School District includes a letter addressing Islamophobia the staff and parents of its 132 students. The letter is expected to be drafted and sent before Ramadan begins in late May. Now, you know during Ramadan, there are radical Islamic groups who use their religion, and the Islamic State and Al-Qaeda use their religion to launch attacks on their own people, on Muslims they claim to be. The district is also reviewing internal staff calendars to make sure that Muslim holidays are recognized. It's funny because Easter is no longer recognized and Christmas is no longer recognized. And, well, I like to say Merry Christmas. I don't care what you think. Um, and even Jewish holidays have been taken away from uh, a lot of these uh, secular calendars that have been going on on college campuses. Uh, the plan drew little attention when the board approved it on April 4th, but public comments from staff and community members were uniformly positive. Pushback gradually spread on the Internet and social media 
with written attacks on uh, on the Council on American Islamic Relations. So imagine though that they're going they're signing a multi-year plan to address Islamophobia. I've actually had to go to conferences on this, and it's interesting because it just turns into a bashing Republicans, bashing Trump, and frankly. This is where we talk about the ideology. They should they should be talking openly and criticizing radical Islamic terrorism and the radical Islamic ideology that does not speak for the Muslim religion. That's the problem. Is that they don't make the separation, and then they criticize people for being Islamophobic when we know that most of these terrorists are claiming to be doing it for the name of Allah. It's not Islamophobic. It's, I don't want to die phobic. It's a made-up campaign. Okay? And people know that not all Muslims are bad. This is why you have to make the distinction of radical Islamic terrorism and deal with that radical ideology and Sharia law. Now, Saw this story today, and I figured I'll end on this note. Uh, a report showing that Ivy League schools did not disclose $246 million in taxpayer funding violating the law. So will they be held accountable is my question. An analysis of over $200 million in research projects conducted by Ivy League institutions found that none disclosed how they spent taxpayer dollars, which is in violation of federal law. Senators are now asking the Government Accountability Office to investigate this and how many federally funded projects are not standing the scrutiny of how taxpayer dollars are spent. The report was conducted by a White Coat Waste Project, a bipartisan organization seeking to end taxpayer-funded animal experiments and co-authored uh, by Restore Accountability. Identify 100 National Institutes of Health Studies that did not disclose funding in press releases, and the non-disclosure violates the Stevens Amendment, a three-decades-old transparency rule. So, you know, Northwestern, New York University, University of Rochester, Brown, Columbia, Cornell, Dartmouth, Harvard, Harvard, UPenn, Princeton, Yale, they did not disclose total adding up among all these Ivy League schools $246 million in federal funding violating the law. These schools are just outrageous. And you have to tackle this because, unfortunately, they're responsible for educating the future of America. Which is sad. It really is. Because the future of America is being held back here. They're being they're being disserviced while they're swimming in uh, thousands of dollars of debt. It's a real shame. It really is. Uh, we'll see what happens tomorrow in terms of the corporate tax rate and the individual tax rate. And President Trump is expected to sign an order tomorrow to deal with that and reduce uh, the, um, the taxes for Americans. So we'll discuss that tomorrow as uh, that gets released. And anything else that gets thrown out in our faces, we'll cover it for you. We're here to make America great again. Do our part. We're serving you, the American people. God bless you. And God bless America. Take care, everybody. The Neil A. Caruso Show podcast is a production of Caruso Enterprises. Engaging, informing, and entertaining. Passion-driven, factual content that makes a difference following Neil A. Caruso on social media. And log on to neilacaruso.com to sign up for Caruso's comments, newsletters, and be the first to know.